Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. My dad has a funny story about that jump scare Ooh. that he just told me today. Um, Wait, did he know you were going to this? Yeah, I told him. I saw him today for lunch, and nice. we went over it. Um, yeah, he uh, he saw it in theaters back in uh, 76, so he would have been 16. Wow. And uh, somebody had told him about the jump scare, so he was, uh, like, very prepared for it. So when it start, when it came up, when it was beginning to happen, he was, like, very locked in and very focused and very, like, I'm not going to be frightened by this. Like, I've got this. Um, but when it happened, the woman directly behind him let out, like, this bloody murder shriek that completely... And and he was so locked in on and focused on not being scared by this that he was completely blindsided by the shriek and and he said it's like it's like the most scared he's ever been in his entire life <laughs> like he jumped out of his skin and like almost hit the ceiling because like like the person was like directly behind his ear and just like right when it happened she shrieked <laughs> scream. and he just like leapt up into the air which is <laughs> hilarious which to of me. course sets off everybody behind him because yeah. it's sudden motion I mean it worked. It still yeah. worked in the movie theater, uh, which which I was excited about because I knew it was coming, so I wasn't freaked out by it. It's uh, it's interesting because it's like it's not even that traditional a jump scare, right? Like, it's it, her hand doesn't shoot out like no, it's super it's like quick. slow motion, yeah, right. It's like a high frame rate slow motion, so it's like uh, you you have time to like not anticipate it, but you. Like, if you went frame by frame, you'd see the rocks moving first. Mm-hmm. You'd see the, like, rubble moving, and then you'd see her hand. And it's, it's not even a traditional scare chord, really. Like, it, it the, it's part of the or- orchestration. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song continues. It kind of weirdly undercuts its own, like, ability it, yeah. to be a jump scare. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't hate it. And I really, I'm a huge baby when it comes to jump scares. I was going to um, say, I'm going to say this on tape. <laughs> You're thinking of John Wick 2? Yeah. I'm thinking of John Wick 2, the scene where he's ordered to go kill his uh, former assassin friend's uh, sister, and she instead commits suicide in the bath, and then John Wick like puts a bullet in her brain anyway to make it look like he killed her. Like he killed her, yeah. And Harry, just for the listeners, mm-hmm. Harry like shoots up a good like three inches in his seat, and nobody else around... like. You saw it coming. You it was had a very gun loud gunshot. It is very, very it's tight. very loud. It's audio editing, but still... <laughs> Uh, she had just cut her wrists open, and that grosses me out. I was on edge. <laughs> yeah. I'm Listen, a big I was in baby. a heightened state. Yeah, I was in a heightened state. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm a big baby when it comes to jump scares. I don't like them. <laughs> I'm a big baby. Harry Mack. Yeah. 2019. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies that we saw at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My name is Jason Daphnis. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. And I'm Harry. Uh, it's just us today. We just got out of seeing Carrie, uh, and the other boys are out of town. In Chicago. Um, uh, are they both in Chicago? All yep. in Chicago? Yeah, for different reasons. Cody yeah. uh, has a Quidditch tournament. Uh, hope you did great, Cody. We haven't heard yet. I messaged him, but I haven't heard back. And uh, Aaron is visiting his fiance, Diana. Come Beautiful. Pod, Diana. Beautiful. Romance. Love is in the air. It's mm. October. <laughs> 
Uh, of course, Carrie, 1976, Brian De Palma film. This is my first Brian De Palma film. I looked up his filmography. I actually haven't seen anything else by him. Um, I knew his uh, name from the diopter shots that he likes to use when I found out that what a diopter shot was from watching yeah, us. Yeah, pretend I'm like four and uh, explain to me what a diopter shot I, is. I cannot. It's rocket science to me how it actually works, but it's like the extreme clo- extreme focus on both things that are in the front and the back of the shot. Oh, you said like, so like us. Like, like that has like, like, like the best us. one ever. Yeah, like at, in that climactic yeah. scene in the classroom. In this one, it was like a few ones are where Tommy has just uh, like gotten done with the teacher reciting his poem and Carrie is, is way behind Oh, that's him. right. And Carrie is at the back of the class, but it looks like they're both in focus and yeah. his face is huge. It's used I, several times in this movie. I think that that isn't the idea that it's actually two shots overlaid over one another. I'm not sure. I've actually okay. never seen like a breakdown of how it works physically. That's how it felt to me in Carrie specifically because in that shot you're describing, Tommy's hair, which is already like – Majestic to the point of being mystical. Um, <laughs> it has like this, this like gauzy it's sheen, a halo, yeah, yeah, and and like it. The movies, particularly in the first act, plays with light a lot, so it 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 does a good job of hiding that. But I feel like that's what was going on there. I think that might be a function of focus, though, like extreme focus on his face, and then as you get further back, like toward the further back of his head, I think it just gets more out of focus because it's that tight of focus on his like on the vertical slice of his face. Um, I can't say for sure, but like I know that there's one more shot after Sue has asked Tommy to be uh, Carrie's uh, date to the prom, and he finally says yes. He's watching like a western in the background, and like that's both a really of those good things, weird scene. It uh, is, anyway, isn't we'll, it? Because we'll like, the only that. thing, that, the only line that occurs is like, "Okay, I'll do it." And then yeah, they both just kind of smile nicely. This is a really fascinating movie. Sorry, uh, go return to your original point there about the diopter shot oh. and the function of focus. Uh, that's just the only thing that I know Brian De Palma by. Sure. Um, I know that he was a prolific uh, horror and thriller director of the 70s and 80s, and this is my first De Palma film. Yeah. Uh, I th- believe it's mine too. So sorry, everybody who thought we were film buffs. Um, that is incorrect. We are just the people who... cinephiles. Okay. Uh, we are just people who like to go to the Trilon, as we did tonight. So, you already said that. We're here, it's it's late, but we're doing this because I like to carry more than I thought I would. Yeah, that yeah. is, I, I watched this, uh, full disclosure, I watched this about a week ago. I had forgotten that it was playing at the Trilon and wanted to get it in this month as part of my, I try to watch horror films more often in October. It never works season. out this way. Uh, I have, or had a coworker, R.I.P. Logan. Um, he's not dead, he just left the office. Come on the pod, Logan. Uh, we should get him on here, but, um, who makes it a point every Halloween or every October to watch a horror film a day. So he's got 31 by the end of the month. That's wild. And he, if he doesn't watch one in a day, he'll watch two the next day. And if he doesn't watch him, like he'll watch seven a weekend just to catch up. Uh, it's nuts, but I, I commend him for it. I've been trying to get into the spirit more of it by watching some horror films. I watched Event Horizon, listen to our episode on that. I watched Carrie. I'm trying to think of anything else I've watched for this month of, of horror films. Well, we, we did a weird thing where we we had several horror-adjacent movies already sort of cataloged mm-hmm. for our hashtag Triloween uh, episodes. And so we, we've been – we recorded a lot of those in September. I think we recorded Alien and Aliens and Cure in September, right? Uh, either September or like late, late August. Yeah, yeah. so peek behind the curtain. But uh, so yeah, this we is not this yeah. is not an immediate process. But uh, that's part of why I'm so glad that we're recording this now. Is that like I love uh, thinking about horror movies and watching horror movies in um, October. Like I said before, I'm a huge horror baby. Um, 
my formative years I spent uh, avoiding horror movies like The Plague um, because they frighten me. Um, oh, yeah. is that is that what which is the do? intended effect? Uh, uh, well, but, that's why I that's why I was so like intent on coming here and recording is because you stood up and said that you liked that way more than you thought you would, and yeah, I want to know um, why. Not necessarily because it's a horror movie. Uh, I think that that as I get older and start to appreciate movies more, I can appreciate horror movies on their own terms, whereas before I think I was precluded by my fear of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found this movie really interesting um, and interesting in ways that I wanted to talk about a lot mm-hmm. when we when we were walking out. Uh, I think that, that – and again, it's uh, – it's a, a weird position to be in, right, where we don't have any reverence for De Palma uh, because we're ignorant as to his works. And that kind of prepares me to have sort of a hot take about this movie, which is that I don't think he was a particularly well-chosen director for it. Hmm. Um, I there, there are directorial decisions and score decisions, music score decisions, and uh, maybe, maybe acting decisions in this movie, um, as well as cinema cinematographic decisions that I think are all very wrong-footed for this movie in a way that really undermined what I think, and maybe this is just me being a sucker, um, I like this story a lot, and I, like, really deeply empathized with Carrie, Mm -hmm. um, and I I thought that it had legs to be more than the movie itself seemed to think that it was, and I was very interested by that. Uh, How do you feel about that? Uh, I... I've not read the story upon which it's based. I've Neither have read I. the book, uh, so I can't speak to like how closely it sticks to that or how like worthy the story is of being a movie. I just it seems to. I think I agree with with your thesis that it like um, that the director once wanted to make it something that it wasn't, but not like to elevate it, but to bring it down a bit right. more to like the B horror space. Yeah, I um, uh, I sorry to interrupt you. Um, no. I I leaned over to you during the movie and I said that there were parts of this movie where the directing felt contemptuous of the movie itself. I want to know what you mean. It was – I think you leaned to, to me and said that around the time of the boys trying on their tuxedos scene, it might have been shortly after there that. Was, that was a big scene uh, where they literally speed up a boys' conversation. It's kind of a funny joke, but they never do it again and it really yeah. takes you out of the movie in a way that, that is frustrating to me. Um, I specifically thought of it for the first time when um, – her name is Piper Laurie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Margaret. Um, or Margaret White is the, the character's name. That's Carrie's mom. She says, uh, excuse me, uh, thou shall not suffer a witch to live. And the, the, uh, the scene cuts as she finishes saying the line. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it's a pivotal line for that character's arc. It's when she decides to kill her own daughter. And the movie is like, okay, you're fine. It, that's over. Um, you juxtapose that with this movie and this camera spending way too much time on other scenes and other uh, relatively less important depictions. Uh, we talked on the way over here about how in the first act there's this sort of fascistic gym teacher um, who who bullies the, the popular girls because they're making fun of um, Carrie. Uh, and the scene in which she bullies these kids and then the follow-up scene where she is forcing them to do gym uh labors gym labors wow uh exercise is the word for that i'm not terribly familiar with the concept of exercising um it's like the longest scene in the movie those two scenes together like we can talk about it more later but like it is 
there's an unhealthy obsession here with like the motions and of the bodies of high school girls in this movie. Yeah, that's also very true. I it's, think that some of that is earned because this is such a puberty. Right, movie. right. And like a lot of it is mirrored. I'm sorry to stray from your point, but like a lot of it is mirrored. The very opening scene, obviously, like you said, has some of the most gratuitous uh, full frontal nudity of any film ever. Like any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's And it's crazy. a girl's locker room ostensibly in a high school. Like mm-hmm. I know all of those actresses, I'm sure, were uh, above 18 years old. Um, and oh, I think it being off-putting is maybe part of it, but it still felt weirdly leery to me. Right. Uh, I'm not like trying to be like woke and like uh, no. dismiss this movie on those terms, but I am saying that, that it was an interesting w- way in. Um, I actually like the first scene of this movie a whole lot. Um, but it's sort of also emblematic of the problem that I have with this movie, which mm-hmm. is that, okay, so to, to walk through it, um, right after the, the movie opens with the, the girls at this school playing volleyball um, and Carrie, because she, she's too shy and sort of awkward about her body, she misses the pivotal shot and loses the game for her team. And so her team ridicules her. Later on in the locker room, they're all washing up. Uh, these these very attractive high school students who are hypersexualized and very confident in their bodies are juxtaposed to Carrie, who is distinctly not that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's showering off by her on her own, and she has a, her period for the first time, and she doesn't know what a period is, and so she freaks out and thinks she's dying. Later on, she literally says, like, I thought I was dying. Um, I can't remember where this came from, but the, the phrase, the first time I had my period, I thought I was dying, kept recurring to me. Um, I think it's, I, obviously, it's a reference to this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, like, from a poem or something, or, like, a um, song that I like a lot, and so I, I I'll look it up um, later. But, uh, that scene works really, really well, especially as a, a, char- a character introduction to Carrie. Um, there's a sort of leery camera um, on her body and the different um, disparate parts of her body, her legs, her shoulders, her back, her hair, her mm-hmm. face. Um, but eventually, uh, blood runs down her leg, and so we're supposed to be sort of scared by it the way that she is. Um, and also to sort of set up the the horror sort of slow burn framing of this movie. Um, the part that doesn't like work for me is that... Um, they told Sissy Spacek, who does a, a really good job in this movie, I think. Um, but they, they, they like, told her to act the shit out of this scene. And, like, she's, like, like flailing, hysterical, screaming. Yeah. Um, and, like, like the gym teacher comes in and she's, like, throwing girls around and, like, throwing people around. And, like, she grabs uh, um, Carrie and, and slaps her in the face to try to calm her down. And it's, like, really chaotic and really hysterical and... and fast moving and that didn't work for me mm-hmm. um it was interesting though that like there's so much physicality in this movie right like this this sucks but is is interesting and part of the movie's larger message that like i, I think women get hit in this movie more than almost any movie i've ever seen mm-hmm. like women are are getting the shit beat out of them in this movie and um, by other women more often uh, usually mm-hmm. um i think internalized misogyny is like the point of this movie right right, right yeah because, um, like, the the people who hatch the plan against Carrie are the girls who are angry at her for, you know, spoiling their their fun for... Yeah. Um, yeah. Aaron's not here. Do we want to do a plot summary really fast? It's pretty simple, I think. Uh, sure. Um, I, yeah, I can do it. Um, so, Carrie is a uh, 16-year-old girl. She's uh, hyper-sheltered because of her, her arch-conservative uh, religious mother who believes that, that women having any sort of knowledge of their bodies is a sin and that uh, 
she she is um, essentially abusing Carrie through the belief that that Carrie was born of sin and is a sinful person inherently and, and needs to atone. be controlled and yeah. atoned constantly. So as a result, Carrie is very shy, uh, very poorly socialized, and um, not up to speed with the rest of the um, school. Which is who is portrayed through sort of Carrie's eyes as hypersexualized. Um, so she is um, an outcast. She's ridiculed. She's deeply bullied. Um, she she ends up in this opening scene. They they throw tampons uh, at her um, as she's freaking out about her period to make fun of her for the fact she doesn't know her period. This gets the gym teacher at school, who is sort of a champion. She's a really fascinating character. We'll talk about. Uh, yeah, her. I do. Um, but but. She's Carrie's champion, and she um, sticks up for Carrie and ends up punishing all of the girls in the gym class by making them um, run laps and do exercises for, uh, I think it's a week leading up to the prom. Mm -hmm. And if they don't do that, they don't get to go to prom at all. And this makes the uh, queen bee at the school, uh, whose name is, um, do you remember the, the mean? Christine? The main mean girl? Is that... No, not Christine, yeah, right? the main mean girl. Is her name Christine? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting reference to the movie Christine, maybe. Uh, anyway. Um, she she hatches this plot to uh, humiliate Carrie. Um, well, Carrie's... Uh, or Christine's sort of best... One of her best friends, who's actually a good person, Sue, I believe, mm-hmm. Um convinces Tommy this this boy at school that Carrie has a big crush on because he's the bas- or the football star and baseball star um to ask her to prom meanwhile Christine and John Travolta her boyfriend <laughs> his name is John Travolta I don't, I don't know where his name is yeah um they they plan to dump pig's blood on her um at the prom uh oh I I didn't even I neglected to mention also that that in parallel with her burgeoning um adolescence Carrie is developing telepathic powers. <laughs> this is rather important. Uh, I neglected to mention one more thing. Yeah. Um, so it all it it unfolds in like slow motion tragedy, right? Like you know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy takes Carrie to prom. Unbeknownst to him, this terrible plot is unfolding around them. When the pig's blood is dumped on Carrie, it confirms all of her worst suspicions about herself and confirms everything her mom told her, which is that everyone's going to make fun of her because she can't be like those people because she was worse than them or or somehow tainted, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And has to atone. So Carrie uses her telepathic powers to kill everybody in the gym. She goes home. Her mom tries to kill her. Uh, She kills her mom and collapses the house. The house, like, sinks into hell. Uh, Has she lost control of her? I mean, this is the end of the movie, so I think right. we're done with the synopsis. Is this is this Carrie losing control of her powers? Because she seems pretty terrified of yeah. what's happening. it's interesting. Uh, it's not clear, right? It could yeah. be, like, a suicide, or it could be her losing control of her powers. Yeah, she seems to uh, favor self-preservation at the end. She, like, drags herself and her mother into the prayer closet where she's been locked before. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, weeping and and crying and unco- she's, she's screaming. She's, like, obviously in some form of terror. But um, I don't know if it's stated explicitly whether that's supposed to be, like, Carrie's powers getting, like... Uh, again, continuing with that motif of um, uh, of burgeoning, burgeoning adolescence and like puberty, if that's like getting away from her, if she's if it's another thing she doesn't understand about herself and her body, or if it's like again like 
she realizes that whatever's whatever has happened needs to be stopped and she um i interpreted it as losing control i mm-hmm. think that that tragedy is more in keeping with the theme of the movie and in the the idea that carrie wasn't given an opportunity to um process her adolescence and her burgeoning sexuality in a healthy way mm-hmm. and therefore loses control of it and lets it destroy her and and sort of um, ultimately is not able to self-define in that way because she she was never given the opportunity to. Right. Um, I think that's the more powerful metaphor for this, right? This staunchly uh, anti-abstinence-only sexual education <laughs> movie that it is, um, which that's pretty rad. I like. Yeah. I don't. Again, I don't know if De Palma is necessarily the right guy to make that movie. Yeah. So we should. You wanted to talk about the gym teacher specifically. I think that's a that's an interesting way into one of the most interesting parts about this movie to me. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I, I want you to sort of be a sounding board for it. it's. Her name is Miss Collins mm-hmm. in the movie, uh, and she has her introduction is of course the end of that at the end of the opening scene where she like slaps sense into Carrie and um, and then she reports it to the principal, tries to get Carrie you know calmed down and everything. But during the scene where she's explaining to the principal, who's hilariously characterized as like just an aloof, n- uncaring, uncomfortable bastard, it's, yeah, it's a really, it's some really funny, like sardonically funny it, framing. It works, in that right? Scene. Some yeah. some of the times when this movie tries to be funny, it doesn't work. But um, when Carrie is freaking out later in the movie and hears her mother's voice saying they're all going to laugh at her, um, he, she also hears the principal's voice saying, "I'm so sorry about this, Cassie." Yeah, calling uh, her by the which wrong is name. great. Yeah, it, um, it is. It's a great callback to you know just the culmination of, of anxieties. Um, but in that same scene where she's where uh, Miss Collins is explaining to the principal uh, what's happened, she says. Um, it, the weird – I forget her phrasing, but the, the weird thing is that she felt like doing it too. Like she just wanted to throw things That's at Carrie. Key, like she right? just wanted to hate Carrie. Uh, and then throughout the movie, she's like either it's, uh, out of some sense of self-pity or like longing for the past. She is uh, – she starts grooming Carrie for like the prom. She starts grooming her Grooming for, is a perfect word, right? Yeah. Oh, also, as a note, when she's talking about how she felt frustrated and angry with Carrie herself um, – the principal catches sight of menstrual blood on the gym teacher's um, uniform from Carrie mm-hmm. and is disgusted by he, like, it. Which is like recoils. Yeah, which yeah. is like a really good bit mm-hmm. right to insert right there. Well, uh, he, he also – the whole – his whole introduction, and I don't even remember his name. He's not an important part of the plot very much. But in that, in that same interaction between uh, Miss Collins and the principal uh, – She's explaining and trying to, like, get a course of action going. And he says, well, you know, some girls, certain girls, like, the, the, most most just learn, like, uh, facts and, and, and truths. And he never, like, out and out says what's happening. Like, you know, uh, period, cycle, and He's menstru- so administration. He's it. incredibly uncomfortable talking about this in the most hilarious, yeah. like, uh, clearly very distinctly scripted way mm-hmm. uh, that I th- found, like... Again, sardonically funny, but like this this grown man who's running a school full of boys and girls has no idea how to talk about the most like Which, you know, natural I mean, like, things. Yeah. Like, yes, that yeah. was exactly real. the experience that I think most people in public school had uh, and continue to have thanks to our uh, educational system. Uh, yeah, that was very good. Um, like uh, you said, she she ends up grooming um, mm-hmm. Carrie in a way that that sort of uh, foils and parallels uh, a lot of the other characters grooming of Carrie throughout this film. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of different factions or forces are trying to. Um, 
It's it's interesting. I think that Miss Miss Collins is her name, right? Yep. Played by Betty Buckley. She's one of the more interesting, nuanced glimpses into internalized misogyny in this movie. She is a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Like to be clear, she hates the the women that are in her gym class. At one point, she physically strikes the mean girl, Christine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she like takes her by the scruff of yeah. the collar and, and is in general extremely physical. Threatens to beat her some more. It's it's wild. Like uh, it, it gets a, a laugh from the audience because it's just like. So ridiculously out there that she'd strike her students. Right. She's smoking in the principal's office. She's like the most and she's, toxic she's person. Fascist, fascistic, right? Like mm-hmm. she she leverages her authority to abuse the the children at her school uh, in the sort of name of helping Carrie, whom she views as sort of an innocent deer in the headlights, who she can save. Mm-hmm. Not unlike the mother, right? Except that the mother thinks that Carrie is tainted beyond saving and that her sort of lot in life is to be controlled by her mother in the right. atonement. Um, but that that gets at an interesting point, right? Like one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the movie to me and one that works really well, uh, in my opinion, is when um, Miss Collins is trying to cheer up Carrie. Uh, Carrie has just been asked to the prom by Tommy. Carrie believes that it's part of a practical joke and they're making fun of her by asking her. Miss mm-hmm. Collins tells her that they might not be, that it's possible that, that Carrie could actually be genuinely um, interesting to Tommy. Mm-hmm. But the way she does it is she says like, like, look at yourself with, with some mas- mascara on, uh, with some lipstick. Put if your you, hair up a little bit. Put your hair up. You could look good. You could look you as could good as everybody else. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's heartbreaking, right? Because it's saying that, like, that is the the status that women can aspire to. Right. And that, there are those... that even this other side that uh, that Carrie is longing for, exemplified in Tommy's poem about mm-hmm. having space to love each other, doesn't exist, right? Because right. there's uh, to that same point, and not just with their interactions with Carrie, this comes out. This comes out like interac- inter- inter- interactions with uh, any of her female students. And mm-hmm. uh, there's the one scene where she threatens the kids with. Um, with uh, uh you know no like suspension of their prom passes if they don't stick with her detention um and she says uh, do any are any of you even ever thinking did you ever stop to think about how Carrie felt you're too you're too focused on your dates and your boys and your whatever and your parties and it's like it's the most respectability politics thing in in the movie right uh and it's like it's such- also a direct parallel to Act three, when she's in the prom and talking to Carrie, and she talks about her prom date mm-hmm. and how special her prom was to Carrie. And it's like, you could be me again, yeah. right? Like, there's this, um, yeah, this movie has a lot of, in my opinion, really nuanced, interesting things to say about the way that that a sexist, unequal society um, manifests itself in women as internalized misogyny. That these, these women who have been abused by the men in their lives, this is, uh, uh, Carrie's mom, whose um, father took advantage of her, um, was originally religious along with her, but ended up taking advantage of her, impregnating her, and then leaving oh, her you mean for Ca- another. Carrie's father. I'm sorry, yeah, Carrie's Just father. Just making sure. Um, and leaving her for another woman, uh, John Travolta, who is physically abusive to his girlfriend, because again, uh, physical abuse recurs over and over again mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and then there's the gym teacher, right? But but the way that that abuse. That, that women in this movie deal with the abuse that men leverage against them is by lashing out at women mm-hmm. the same way. Um, all of the women in this movie end up hating other women instead of hating 
the men who caused the yeah and and they are attempting uh the the women in this movie even the the mean girls they derive status and um self um actualization or self-identification um and power by making themselves desirable to men um the the bully christine ends up convincing john travolta to join in with her plan by seducing him um there's a really funny scene where she she goes down on him in a car and she's saying his name over and over again and he's getting really into it and like 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 rolling his eyes and yeah, rearing his head back uh john travolta overacting like crazy john travolta o-facing is the last thing i wanted to see jesus any of us right um and then and then all of a sudden right before the scene cut she goes i hate carrie white it's Really funny. And Maybe mo- the funniest part of the whole most movie. Most scenes in the movie that are like that, like you said, they're underserved by like being cut too soon. That one happens and she says, I hate Carrie White. And then he's like, who? Yeah. <laughs> and then the scene cuts. Really good. <laughs> uh, like legitimately really good comedic casting. Yeah. Um, uh, Margaret White, uh, Carrie's mom, similarly, right? She hates Carrie for the sins of the father, right? Like she believes that Carrie is tainted by the devil because – uh, Carrie's father took advantage of her, um, and and she was impregnated out of wedlock, or not even necessarily impregnated, but they they had sex out of wedlock. Right, and key to that, I think, if I was hearing correctly, is she's saying, "And I liked it, I liked it," and right. then she realize, and then she like feels a, an overwhelming sense of shame and guilt and uh, and and repression, and ultimately tries to kill yeah. Carrie, and and says that that's what she should have done. In the first place, should have given you back to God, right? Yeah. And and she she sees uh, her failure to do that as the result of all of this. Again, uh, sucks for Carrie, I guess. Like yeah. everyone in this movie projects something onto Carrie, right? Like everybody wants something of her, wants her to be something. Just mm-hmm. like being a woman, every you know. Uh, I think that that's a really poignant metaphor. I to that end, I'm curious. Like the, when I watched this movie first for the uh, about a week ago. Um, I thought that Sue and Tommy were both setting her up for the same. I did too. Gag yep. for the same like prank that uh, that Nolan or whatever his name is and and Christine are going to pull on her with the pig's blood. Uh, but it like in a dazzling turn, like once Sue gets to the prom, she, you like you see her finding out the plot and finding out the plan while everybody else is right. Like it, it wasn't ultimately like. It makes you recast those same um, concepts as like who's impressing upon like uh, Tommy, what he's expecting of her, what he wants of her. He's not just biding time. He's like trying to make sure she has an actually like good time. It seems like your prom, right? And and that's an interesting thing too, right? Because like I, at least in my opinion, Tommy and Sue, right? That was the two, the Mm -hmm. two quote unquote good guys. Like the thing that they're doing is also deeply misguided and ultimately condescending, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought so. I I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, it's for self gratification, right? Right. But well, and also just in, it is for self gratification, so they can feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it still ultimately is is othering Carrie as lesser, right? It's like look at how great we are that we're deigning to take this person mm-hmm. to prom. Uh, but even that is is so moving to Carrie um, that she gets to feel special and feel normal. Um, there's a really interesting parallel there where like, like Carrie always feels different, just wants to feel normal. This movie has a dark opinion on what normal means. Um, I think it's saying that, that like our society is just as repressed and misogynistic Mm -hmm. and backward as the society that 
that um, Carrie, grew, Carrie up grew up at yeah, and yeah. came out of. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um, I, it's interesting that you say that, though, because I also came away with that notion right up until the quote-unquote twist, I guess, which is where Sue sees the rope. Um, it's a scene that doesn't work for me because it goes on for, like, it, literally six minutes. And that whole thing is... The, it's an epic on yeah, its own. The yeah. pacing in this movie is really not great. Um, I also think that that right after it happens, where they're they're doing the thing where there are two shots on oh the split in the screen. frame at all times. Like there's a split screen of Carrie freaking out or something else. It's not even always Carrie and then whatever Carrie's affecting. Sometimes it's just two things being affected. It's mm-hmm. like the hose and glass shattering it's sometimes or something literally just two angles of the same shot like yeah. one angle of behind people trying to get out of the door and one people one angle of people in front of the door it undercuts all of like the dramatic tension right it, it could it could be like some pretty uh i don't know like if not horrifying then at least like look at this trippy wigging out like uh fire hose going on its own and she's aladdin snaking it and it's just like why w- like why 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 do we we don't need that? Yeah, that's like, not that's not functioning. Maybe maybe it has a pointed purpose, and maybe people can defend it. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Right? Like I, it, I, I to me, it was like, reason. oh, are we just giving up? Like th- that was the point at the in this movie where I was like, this De Palma just doesn't care about this, and I'm not trying to um, uh, transpose authorial intent onto De Palma. I don't know how he feels about this movie or whatever, but uh, like I said, there are, there are points in this movie where it just feels contemptuous, right? Like, it, it feels like, why do I have to be making this stupid thing? Mm-hmm. Like that split-screen shot, like the, the scenes that go on way too long, like the ridiculous overacting, uh, particularly of the bullies. Like, I think Christine is like terminator driven to hurt carrie to the point where she's like literally portrayed as like mentally like crazed right uh, in a way that she like sucks. licks her lips very like yeah in a very desiring way right before pulling the rope yeah, she to, lives for it yeah there's like maybe even interesting homoeroticism but uh that maybe is not um that may be a gen- generous reading yeah it, there there's something interesting there right uh, mm-hmm. between a lot of these characters but um there's uh, let's. There's the speed up thing that you mentioned. Um, in general, I think the script is not great. I think the score is really bad. It, actually, it's weird. Like, I would expect to see this in a horror fantasy comedy. Like, literally, I was thinking of Houseu while sure. watching this because there are like some really jovial bops that happen. There's the scene that's diegetic. It's not diegetic, but it is scored exactly to like the count of um, Miss Collins while she's like guiding the mm-hmm. kids through these exercise drills and it like speeds up and slows down with her count. Uh, and it like stops when she, you know, yells at one of the kids when she breaks from her count. Um, it doesn't really add, I don't know, all, all of the audio cues are, and it's probably just a product of its time, but all the audio, audio cues are pretty, um, cheesy they're i thought they were really cheesy yeah they're 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 pretty cheesy and like Um, maybe like you said maybe that's our 2019 reading on it and maybe that they were better but like they literally even use the psycho sound effects over and over again and like psycho came out well before this movie and like i don't know i just like there were there were parts of it that felt like they were phoning it in really hard to me um it's um i think that there were probably three scenes that brian de palma wanted to make out of this movie (laughs) The first would be the opening scene with the shower. The second would be um, the uh, the mother, uh, like uh, abu- not the mother, um, 
Margaret just abusing Carrie and throwing her in the prayer closet, and the last being the prom scene. Which is funny because the prom scene is not good. It's like, not. I don't think it's good at all. It's it's obviously the climax. It's it like is. the one that everybody remembers. It's on the poster. And it it it's has always... the iconic shot of, of Carrie covered in uh, mm-hmm. pig's blood with the flames behind her, which is, you know, don't get me wrong, that's an amazing shot. Right. Um, but ultimately, like, it works better as a shot, as a mood, than, like, an actual scene right like it goes on like you said way too long it does the split screen thing and it cuts in and out of that at will and it's just so disorienting um you're supposed to be focusing on this one person causing all this havoc uh and like the result of this and you're getting like you're supposed to watch two different halves of the screen like you're playing fucking mario kart and trying to screen cheat Uh, i think that this movie maybe ultimately commits um, the sin that it's trying to – sorry to, to use loaded terminology, especially for this movie. Oh. But uh, <laughs> it, it commits the sin that it, that it's um, critiquing, right? We're like, I don't think it's actually that interested in Carrie's interiority. Yeah. I think it's interested in making her a monster, which is exactly what this movie is ostensibly – um, critiquing it's saying that like like when we deny a woman her interiority and instead project an image of what we want onto her or try to steal her agency in order to to craft her into something that we need from her we're we're doing this we're we're um ruining them right like we're we're not giving them the tools to be human beings we're we're uh harming them mm-hmm and and turning them maybe into something monstrous, uh, which again maybe that's even a misogynistic angle to take. I don't know. Yeah. Um. That's that's interest. I don't know. This movie didn't strike me as misogynistic. It, it struck me as deeply sympathetic of Carrie. I was deeply sympathetic of Carrie. But uh, anyway, what I was trying to say is that like this this movie is so interested in the monster mm-hmm. at the end of the movie that it goes. It doesn't do enough to characterize the interiority the of person. Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that's intentional, right? Like, I think that there's, that there's a very galaxy brain, you will be ashamed of your words and deeds, um, spec ops, the line type of read of this movie where it's like, no, don't you get it? Like, like Carrie, she doesn't even get to have her story told the right way. Like, even when we're telling the story, it's Brian De Palma telling the story, and it's turning her into a monster in a monster movie. And isn't it terrible that the only time we can see a story like this about the abuse of a, a woman in a sexist society, we have to leer at her and mm-hmm. turn her into something grotesque and monstrous. Um, that's fascinating. I don't think that that's what the movie's doing. No, no. I mean, the movie is doing... Exactly what you said. It's trying to make like a, a creature feature right. out of Carrie. Like the the, the and, every, even, and everything the, about the directing and the shooting and the score leads me to that conclusion. And the, and the marketing too. Just right. as a side note, like the trailers and the posters all say, if you if you've got a taste for terror, you've got a date with Carrie. And it's like she's the bad guy. Then like in yeah. in, in, in her own poster, she's the bad guy. Like she also is she's a high school student. Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I like. It's it's a fast. I love adolescent metaphors, right? This is a potent and mm-hmm. powerful adolescence metaphor, um, and I would be so interested in a movie that was actually about the idea that like, like look at what we did to Carrie, and look at what we're still doing to Carrie. Yeah, like even this movie itself, as pop cultural artifact, as genre film is itself in a way a statement about the way that we exploit the the woman exploit mm-hmm. the uh the female body the female form the idea of the feminine 
and how in doing so we are making it grotesque. Um, these are these are characters who are all obsessed with the form and idea of the feminine and hateful of it because of their obsession with it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the movie is also obsessed with the feminine form and hateful of the feminine form yeah. as a result. Um, it is, it's for like on a micro level and a macro level, it carries that spirit through all of its, char- sorry, all of its characters. <clears throat> all of its characters, all of its characters are, like you said, deeply misogynistic, uh, even, and especially the, the other women characters. Um, Carrie is given no interiority and no real care, no real character of her own. No, no like room to, to build her, self and her own desire like she she rails against her mother in terms of like wanting to go to the prom and wanting to accept a boy's proposal and Uh, and largely that railing even is is taken from her in that it's making it it's making it's uh it's made into um the telekinesis right where mm -hmm. like she shatters a mirror with her telekinesis for the first time but it's not something she's in control of. Like that is a that's a metaphor for teenage acting out, right? Of mm-hmm. of of being destructive and not understanding your own self destructive tendencies and not knowing what to do with your emotions and your feelings. Um, but it, it's not something that's connected directly to Carrie until later in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is I mean, interesting. And at the end too, you know, right. it, the the finality of her bringing her own home, which she's grown up in, and which uh, is. Is, is is her home for sale or is it like the lot next to it is for sale? Because like there's an establishing shot at one point when uh, Margaret is walking back home after harassing Sue's mom for money um, that you see this for sale sign. And I think I'm, her I'm house assuming... is for sale, right? And that gets into the interesting class politics that mm-hmm. you brought up. I wanted um, to bring – well, I – yeah, you brought those up during the movie, uh, oh. but they are in they're, the, they're relevant. In that there, there was a shot of a well, a wealthy family, and then it cut away, and then I leaned over to you and whispered, "Class politics." <laughs> no, like I, 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 it was funny in the moment, but yeah. I got thinking about it because, like, uh, Carrie is obviously a um, not of her own uh, choice, but she's a sexually repressed um, and generally socially repressed uh, young girl who um, is. Uh, repressed by her mom, oppressed by her mom uh, on basis of religion and class. Uh, and she has a hard time even like getting her mother to accept the fact that she's accepted a boy's proposal. And then you uh, cut to this other family, Sue's the Snells. Uh, it's a four person family to two, uh, two kids. And uh, she literally gets up in the middle of dinner, says, I'm going out. Uh, they ask where her parents ask where she says just out and she leaves like no question. And, the, and asked. The, the parents are just sort of like bemused by yeah, it. They're like a little bit nonplussed, but like in a fun way. Right. This was the same. This was the same family that in act one when uh, Margaret came to uh, proposition them for money, essentially uh, for donations. The mother is drinking uh, in like early afternoon. And at one point, uh, Margaret says, uh, we're living in godless times, and the mother says, "I'll drink to that," uh, which <laughs> then, is you know very and then funny. Buys her off with not five yeah. but ten dollars of nineteen seventy six money too. Uh, I, I'm just curious about like what other ways this movie leverages those, if any, those uh, statements of class and those yeah. uh, signifiers of class to tell that same uh, ostensibly sympathizing story. It's it's a uh, it dovetails really well with the isolation of Carrie on religious terms, right? Um, and you brought up that. This was a, a really good thing you caught was that uh, how how Carrie's mom makes their money and they're very poor. Um, it, it's implied, like you said, that they can't even hold on to their house and their house is uh, definitely the most beat up on the block um, is that she sews. 
And when she sews, she's using a sewing machine that says white on it, their mm-hmm. last name, which, like you you said, maybe implies like a uh, fallen status, mm-hmm. uh, fallen social status, where like maybe they were manufacturers or maybe they, they owned some sort of like larger uh, enterprise, the the white, you know, sewing company right. or something. Um, that's, that's interesting because it parallels the way in which um, Margaret feels fallen from grace uh, – religiously and mm. sexually um in the sense that that like margaret is a character who feels ruined by um the the man who left her uh but but interestingly she's internalized that leaving her as um a failure failure on her part a failure of her religious faith to convert him mm-hmm. uh she she failed him she's she's uh terrified that she's failing carrie um and what that means about her uh and that it's interesting that that she might have internalized that failure on the basis of class as well, right? Like the idea that that like, oh, like the reason we're fallen from financial grace is because of my failure. So there's mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing there, right? And also it functions to um, both literally in terms of uh, visually on the screen and. Uh, thematically isolate Carrie further, right? Where her clothes are dirtier and mm-hmm. simpler than everybody else's. When, and she looks different than they do. Right. When two girls who are getting their hair done uh, start joking about how Tommy is at, taking Carrie to the prom, they ask each other, like, oh, what's she going to wear? A sackcloth? And then she goes and, like, gets a decent uh, dress and she goes and gets, a, you know, makeup and stuff. Um, but there are those, like, signifiers of that not it's, necessarily struggle, but yeah. a, but a clash. It's, and it's another vector uh, through which we can find, or the bullies can find a way to ostracize and harm mm-hmm. Carrie, right? Right. And and it it dovetails really well with the sexism metaphor here too, right? Where like the fact that she's a woman and the fact that she's poor are both vectors that make her vulnerable to ostracization, mm-hmm. which is. Which is something that needs to be done because it's a means of women to attain status in this sexist society. Right. right? There's like the the cruelty that's leveraged against Carrie is something that they're doing in order to feel powerful themselves. Um, yeah. the The cruelty that is exhibited by uh, women in this movie, both like the quote unquote good people and the bad people, um, is like the only time that it feels like a confluence of like the control and, uh, and authority is when Carrie is massacring everybody inside of, of an auditorium. I don't know if that's intentional. Uh, but to me, it feels like that's the only time that there's a purpose to like, um, to, to a, to a cruel act and that somebody's in control of it. I don't get the impression that Carrie is completely out of her mind when she's, uh, no. conducting this massacre later no, on when she destroys her own house. It's sort is, of but. her, her terrible, uh, like and and heartbreaking for the first time she grasps agency, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like her choosing to k- kill everyone in this cafeteria <laughs> is the first time she's made like a real choice. Mm-hmm. I, although going to the prom was her first choice. Right, but that wasn't even, like, her initiative, I guess. She just, like, accepted yes, and in that specific scene where Tommy comes to her house to ask her again, she more says less says yes to get him away because right. she, he doesn't, she but, doesn't but want her mom to find But that's her trying to grow towards mm-hmm. the person she wants to be, trying to self-identify as somebody who can be, quote-unquote, normal. Uh, and when that's stripped from her, she makes this decision, like, well, I'm not going to be a victim, right? I'm yeah. going to be this instead. Um 
Yeah. Which is which is powerful and very moving. And yeah. it's it's heartbreaking because you get the sense that like that's not what the story will be, right? Like it's it's really cool that we and and sort of empathetic in a way that that really works for me about this movie that that like we get to see Carrie's story even though the headline, even the movie itself's headline is that Carrie's a monster who massacred people. Yeah. Because that's what happens. But we're given the the empathetic idea that that they had it coming or that that it was it made sense for her or or it was a, a tragedy. It was like a Frankenstein's monster scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I like a lot. I, again I think that this this story completely works for me. Um it's just not told right, yeah. essentially. Um in a weird way. Um, you kind of have to bend your brain to think like, oh, well, it, this choice was made so that we could like recontextualize this or think about this in a new way or like frame that. If, if you have to go through that many hoops to like actually get to a point that is pretty bare on the face of it, you've probably done something wrong yeah. in, in the direction. And, and some of it works great. Like yeah. I, I actually think that, that like this is – it's gross to admit, but like the physical violence against women in this movie makes sense. Right. Like it's it's sad, but it, it, it totally speaks to the idea of a sort of retributive um, cascading um, power dynamic where mm-hmm. like men abuse women, women abuse weaker women um, and so on. And Carrie is pushed too far. And yeah, yep. there's a, there's an interesting sense in which her her telekinesis is like weirdly moral and weirdly like like about um redistributive justice right? i was just about to say of like evening the playing field yeah. because everybody in the yeah. prom wronged her uh, mm-hmm. and and most of them die some of them in ridiculous ways but like most of them die. yeah tommy gets hit on the head with a bucket seems not to even understand that he was hit on the head with a bucket at first sort of like looks around falls over and then later on we learn that that killed him <laughs> yeah he's literally dead from an empty bucket that fell I, from I, a pair of what like seven feet Ouchie. Yeah. Um, some of the performances in this, in this movie are really good. Um, I think Sissy Spacek is like, again, like, I wonder if it's directing, but like, I, I think when she's not overacting, she's acting great. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that there are times when she has to like be really hammy in a way that, that actually um, detracts from the story here. Most of her interactions with her mother, I think, are pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, her interactions with Tommy are fantastic and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some really little moments that I really love. Um, Tommy telling her, uh, you're as good at dancing as everybody else here is really cute and sad. Um, Carrie, uh, when they're, when they're leaving to get out of the car to go into prom, Carrie starts to open the door for herself and then recloses it and waits for Tommy to come around and open it for her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, like a really beautiful and sad moment is like (laughs) Carrie's so used to doing things for herself, but then she remembers the sort of like shitty social norm and wants it for Mm -hmm. herself. Um, like stuff like that is just like, man, like, like what if this whole movie was that tender and that interested in itself and like, 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 I don't know. It, it feels it feels like this movie was was had like a self esteem crisis or something, yeah. right? Where where it was like like oh, people aren't really going to be interested in this sad girl who gets abused. Like, what if we make it like a wild, fun horror thing? <laughs> um, and like, it is fun, but like, I don't know. I maybe I'm a sucker, um, and I sh- I shouldn't take it so seriously, and I should have fun with it. Um, but I just like. 
and I think that there's a really good way to have fun and make a, a point. Yeah. Uh, here's a weird thing, but we were talking about Hausu. I think Hausu threads that needle exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie doesn't, right? Because yeah. it, like it, I don't know. It, there's some sense that that the the circle isn't squared for me. Um, yeah, it's there's it's, something something in the music, something in the acting, something in the directing makes it so that the point that it's trying to make about what happens when we objectify um, women or project onto women or repress women and don't allow them the agency of their sexuality or their self-identification. There's something, a really good point there that the movie like thematically makes but can't um, demonstrably make in terms of craft. I don't know. I, I mean, I agree with you. It feels like everything that isn't a climactic scene is it kind of loses steam and has it it's like the direction loses the story uh but not the other way around like if you want to you can still string together these key moments and say this is like what the this is what the story is this is what like this is the the theme this is the purpose um but then it's not supported by a whole lot of the directional choices it, yeah it, or they're just at odds in a yeah. weird way there's a tension there um, it was like like <clears throat> it almost feels like a commercial versus artistic tension to me, and not in a good way. Um, it just it feels like like there's a lot of stuff that was in this movie to sell this movie mm-hmm. rather than stuff that that was there um to to forward a story that's worth telling. Um, and it is a story worth telling. So maybe I just like him too attached to that idea. No, I mean um, that makes sense. Piper um, Laurie's awesome. Again, I, I think yeah. that I don't think she puts on a great performance in this because it's really overacting. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, all, all of the acting in this movie is really overacted. Uh, I like Piper Laurie a lot. I think she's amazing um, in general. I think I've only ever seen her in this in Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah. Um, I've seen her in a couple of other things. Isn't she in Shit's Creek right now? Mm, is I haven't watched else? too much of that show. I haven't watched it either, but I've heard that it's good i might be thinking of somebody else also. i think you're thinking of somebody else i think you're thinking of the mom from beetlejuice oh yeah i am i'm forgetting her name yep she also has red hair sorry i Ooh, suck yep. wow uh well is that carrie yeah i think so uh there was just the two of us so we had to talk more Jeez, the two. <clears throat> okay uh well thank you very much for listening to our episode about carrie uh again you can find us on twitter at try love podcast um, my name is Jason, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Harry. You can find me at Shiitake Harry. And if uh, if anybody ever wants to be on the podcast, let us know. Yeah, get in touch with us on Twitter at TryLovePodcast or TryLovePodcast at gmail.com. Oh, uh, really good line in this movie. Sorry. Do it. All right. Uh, the mother says, uh, I almost called her Catherine, like the Twin Peaks character. Mommy. Just call um, her Mommy. Yeah, Mommy says, uh, the devil is in you, and... Carrie says, this has nothing to do with the devil, Mama. It's me. It's all me. Which I love. Yeah. Great line. All right. That's it. <laughs>